Hello and welcome back to UFO Encounters Worldwide. This is your host, Jesse Peak, MUFON Field Investigator in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, today on our fourth episode, we are going to be talking about a lot of new stuff today um, with abductions, um, some new stuff in the news that I checked out, as well as some um, uh, older cases that you probably never heard of. Um, so we have a really packed uh, episode for everybody today. So I really hope you guys enjoy it and let's get right to it. All right, so the first thing uh, I definitely want to do, we're getting a lot of great feedback um, from UFO encounters worldwide. Um, and we are worldwide being listened to. Um, but the one thing I, uh, want to give a special thanks to UAP.news for their support of UFO encounters worldwide. Um, UAP.news, you can go there and join a great community and make a profile and network with other like-minded people in the UFO field, plus get the latest news in the field. Um, so I want to give a big thank you to UAP News, Global UFO UAP Reporting. Um, I, I really recommend everybody going there and making a profile today. Um, you'll join a great community. They always support each other. Um, and I mean, the feedback that you get from each other and the networking as well is excellent. Um, and they're always willing to lend a hand. Again, that's UAP.news. Um, I have a profile on there as well. So you can catch up with me as, if you want to on there. Um, you also know you have my Twitter handle at, at AATPeak. Um, or you can email me at ufoencountersworldwide at gmail.com. Um, but really, thank you, UAP.news. Um, they put a whole, uh, a whole uh, segment, well, a whole, you know, um, blog about me. It's the number one on their news site. So I really appreciate you guys going out of your way and doing that for me. Um, really, thank you. And also, um, we've been getting great feedback from you, got, you listeners. Um, I really, really thank you guys for tuning in every week. And I mean, I didn't expect to get as much uh, good feedback as I have been. And I want to give a good, a big shout out to all the different countries that are tuning in every week. Um, we'll put them in, in order from most to last. Um, of course, the United States. Then we have Australia. Thank you. Germany. Thank you. The United Kingdom. Thank you. Canada, Romania, India. Indonesia, Vietnam, Colombia, the Dominican Republic, France, Brazil, Italy, Croatia, Iceland, Mexico, Portugal, the Philippines, United Arab Emirates, Austria, Switzerland, Denmark, and Norway. So thank you to all you guys from those countries that are tuning in every week to listen to UFO encounters worldwide. Um, it's because of you that um, this podcast is making it and um, I try to do everything I can to give you guys the best content every week so you guys have something fun to tune in and get uh, get away for a little while so thank you guys very much for tuning in um, and uh, I guess let's get started with our episode today so I have some uh, cool fun facts which is going to lead into uh, our first half of the topic for today 
Um, so let's start with that. Um, so what I found out is that one in, in seven Americans say that they or someone they know have been in, in, in an encounter with a UFO. And then one in five Americans believe in alien abductions. Increasingly, males are more likely to believe in abduction than females. That's just the way the numbers ran. But I think overall, it's equal. I'm not, I don't think it's one or the other. But I think those numbers are pretty crazy. One in five Americans believe in alien abductions. One in seven Americans say they know somebody or they've actually had an encounter with a UFO. That's pretty, pretty crazy. So think about five of your friends. At least one of them had has had beliefs in abductions. And if you think of one in seven, one of your friends know that, you know, they uh, had an encounter or they know somebody. So you start asking those questions. You never know what you could find out. Um, now, since the first widely publicized report of an alien abduction, which was in 1961 in New Hampshire, and we all know it was Betty and Barney Hill, claimed to have been kidnapped by aliens. Um, those who claim they've been abducted have been met with heavy dose of skepticism and i mean it's insane how people try to say that you're crazy that didn't happen to you i mean there's so much evidence in the betty and barney hill case and missing time and just their watches were stopped um their car everything was just crazy with that case um so we know that you know it really happened even though you, you are going to get skepticism. It happens. Um, still, it happens on a regular basis. Uh, a man by the name of Nicolas Dumont, a French psychologist who specializes in people who believe they might have been abducted by aliens, told Vice News. Um, he's treated about 100 patients, all French, who have shown um, signs of abduction. Often these people tell him that they were awoken in the middle of the night and found themselves paralyzed. Um, I found myself that way before. I don't know if I've ever been abducted, but I mean, I hear this. I hear this with many abductees. They they wake up and they are paralyzed. They cannot move. Um, and then they also state that they saw non-human beings around them, whether they were at home or in an external place that might have been a spaceship. Uh, Dumont said. So sometimes they're they are in both. Um, some hadn't experienced anything until they woke up at home thinking it was morning before they realized 48 hours had just gone by and we call that missing time it's very common with the abduction phenomenon um you know some people will go to bed and wake up this happens and then they're waking up and it's morning and they feel like they just shut they just laid down i mean it's a uh, it's very common um so real quick i just wanted to run through the close encounters and where abductions land in that Close encounters of the first kind are when UFOs are witnessed by in close quarters. Um, close encounters of the second kind is when UFOs cause physical effects on humans, animals, or other objects. Close encounters of the third kind are entities that are seen or near a UFO. And then close encounters of the fourth kind are UFO abduction to humans or animals or whoever, um, mostly with humans. Um, so abductions go into that area of close encounters of the fourth kind. Um, now we all know see close encounters of the fifth kind is when humans contact UFOs by conventional signals or tele telepathy, um, telepathy. Um, but I just wanted to let you guys know the abduction phase is close encounters of the fourth kind. Um, now I have a pretty, pretty crazy case here um, that is actually back in 1915. It could be possibly one of the biggest 
abduction cases in the history of America, but many people have not heard of this. Um, when I seen it, you know, I just figured that this is something that I had to talk about because I mean, this is, this is pretty crazy if it turns out to be true. Um, like I, like being a field investigator, MUFON, like I said, I'm always open-minded. So when I read anything, that's how I read it with an open mind. Um, and who am I to say something didn't happen or did happen? You know, I, um, I try to do the best investigation I can to find out the truth. If I can't, I'm not going to sit there and say it didn't happen. Um, so I figured I'd share it with you. Um, this is a, a UFO sighting that turned into a, an abduction. Um, it was a cloud-shaped UFO abducts an entire British unit in Gallipoli. Um, I don't know if I said that correctly, but um, in this case, uh, this case is one for the record books and one that should be in every UFO history book. This event happened in August 28th of 1915 during the First World War in Solva Bay, Gapoli, Turkey. Um, the French, British, and Australian and New Zealand troops were landing on Gapoli Peninsula in an attempt to destroy all the Turkish forts that were protecting and overlooking the Dardanelles entrance to the Black Sea so the Navy and other troops could enter. Um, this event was witnessed by three New, Ze New Zealand soldiers who said the day was completely clear and sunny except for a small grouping of clouds um, that started to form. Strangely, these clouds did not seem to move even with the windy weather with a little breeze blowing at about five miles per hour, uh, which was very strange to them. Um, one of these clouds was seemed to be resting on the ground near Hill 60 on the Solvia Plain. It was extremely dense and reminded them of some kind of solid structure. Uh, meanwhile, the battle between the Turkish troops and the New Zealanders was heating up for possession of the hill. A friendly regiment of British troops were marching up a, suck, a sunken road headed straight for the hill to reinforce the New Zealanders. Um, when the marching British troops actually hit this cloud, they continued to march straight through it with no hesitation whatsoever. Um, waiting to see the British troops exit the other side, the three witnesses stated that the entire regiment never came out of the other end to deploy against the Turkish forces whatsoever. After the last troops entered the cloud, the cloud itself began to rise off the ground, rising slowly and moved away towards the north. No one from that British regiment was ever seen after that, which in turn made the Allied forces right away think that the Turkish troops had captured these British troops. When the war was over and Turkey surrendered, the first thing the Allies asked for was the British regiment to be returned. Um, Turkey responded saying that neither they had neither made contact or captured the British troops, which blew the minds of the Allies and other New Zealand troops that witnessed the ordeal vouched for the Turkish commander, stating that they saw them disappear as well. Um, now, this is where it gets a little strange. Records show that the 1st 4th Norfolks was not a regiment, but the 1st Battalion of the 4th Norfolk Regiment. Records also state that no unit disappeared that day or any other, but they actually went on to fight with distinction. But, however, on the 12th of August, the 1st Battalion of the 5th Norfolk Regiment, 16 officers and over 250 troops vanished without a trace. Looks to me like the government was covering up the actual story. I mean, 
<laughs> they've been doing it ever since Roswell. And this just shows you how the whole cover-up goes back way before that of Roswell. I mean, the government has been, they, they, they aced the cover-up. <laughs> um, this story did take place in 1915, so some of the facts may be a little off, but I suspect the disappearance of the troops did happen at some point. But how exactly um, they disappeared is another question that's up in the air. Um, maybe they did get abducted inside that um, UFO cloud, or maybe they just flat out vanished. Um, that's for you to decide. I just had to share this encounter with, uh, with you as a possible UFO abduction, because that's what it would be. I don't know what else that would be. Um, that happened way before Betty and Barney Hill. Now, imagine if that's true. Uh, I mean, that's an entire battalion of men, 16 officers, 250 troops vanishing just like that. And there was three witnesses that actually seen this happen. I mean, it just blows your mind. If something like this is true, the government definitely covered this one up because I don't remember hearing anything about papers about this or declassified documents about this. And this is something that I think I'm going to look into farther because there has to be some record of this. I mean, they, even the records show that, that, and that, that these people vanished just not on the same day that this supposed, you know, cloud was there. But I think that might've been a cover up for the cloud situation if you get my drift. Um, but I don't know. So I'm going to take a look deeper into that. Um, but I thought that would be, a, this is a great, great encounter to share with you guys. Um, so I just wanted to uh, go a little farther into the abduction phenomenon um, and give you guys a, a case with that, that. And again, that would be a close encounter of the fourth kind if this is actually true. Um, so what I want to do is I want to take a quick break right now um, because I have a lot more content on the other subject of the second half of the show. So that'll be a little bit longer. Um, and once we come back, we'll dive right into it. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll uh, go on to the next thing. So the second half of the show, we're actually going to be talking about that long awaited Pentagon UFO report that's supposed to come out on June 25th. Now, I did see in the news the other day that it could possibly come out for as early as yesterday, but that never happened. So right after we get back from the break, we'll get right into that. And I have some new information that might possibly be interesting to some of you guys. So with that being said, we'll be right back with UFO Encounters Worldwide. This is your host, Jesse Peake. Hey everyone, it's Jesse Peake, your host from UFO Encounters Worldwide. Have you guys ever had a UFO sighting? Go to MUFON.com where you can report your UFO sighting and a field investigator will get in contact with you and investigate your sighting absolutely free. I'm a field investigator for MUFON in Pennsylvania. I do it all the time. It's a great, great organization to report your sighting and actually get real feedback. Check it out at MUFON.com today.
UFO Encounters Worldwide with your host, Jesse Peak, now available on the following platforms, CastBox, Google, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Overcast, PocketCast, Breaker, Radio Public, and Podcast Addict. Come check us out today and become a Worldwider. Welcome back to UFO Encounters Worldwide. This is your host, Jesse Peak, MUFON Field Investigator in the state of Pennsylvania. And just a reminder, guys, please go over and check out UAP.news. Um, they have some of the top info and all the latest news that come out. Uh, they are a great, great, great supporting network. UAP News, Global UFO, and UAP Reporting. Please check them out today. And let's continue with the second half of this show. So I always pay attention to the UFO community and what's going on in the news when it comes to UFOs. Now, the New York Post um, just released an article, which I want to read to you guys about the upcoming report that is going to be released. Um, so this uh, report was posted on June 1st. Um, now, this goes on to say, the long-awaited Pentagon report on UFOs could be released as soon as Tuesday. Um, as more videos showing unidentified objects that appear to defy the laws of gravity recorded by the U.S. military have recently surfaced. Um, funds for the report were contained in the 2.3 trillion coronavirus relief plan signed by President Donald Trump in December. Um, it stated, the clock ticking on the 180-day countdown for the U.S. intelligence agencies under the direction of the Director of National Intelligence to inform Congress what it knows about the existence of what it describes as unidentified aerial phenomenon, or UFOs. The report is expected to include detailed analysis of data and intelligence about UFOs collected by the Office of Naval Intelligence, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, and the FBI. Now, Senator Marco Rubio, uh, the Republican in Florida, also asked for the un unclassified copy of the report um, when he was the acting chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee last December. In an interview with CBS News, 60 Minutes last month, Rubio said the U.S. should take the reports of UFOs seriously. Quote, I want us to take it seriously, and I have a process to take it seriously, Rubio said. I want us to have a process to analyze the data every time it comes in. That there will be a place where it is cataloged and constantly analyzed until we get some answers. Maybe it has a very simple answer. Maybe it doesn't, he said. On the same prog uh, broadcast, Former Navy Lieutenant Ryan Graves said he and other members of his squadron encountered UFOs flying over restricted airspace southeast of Virginia Beach during every day beginning in 2014. He said they are security threats, and that's the big thing right now. Uh, most of these guys like Lou Elizondo, Chris Mellon, and now these um, fighter pilots are coming out, and they're saying that this is a threat which a lot of people have been disagreeing about. Now, the pilot goes on to say, quote, 
I'm worried, frankly, if these are tactical jets from another country that were hanging up out up there, it would be a massive issue, Graves said. But because it looks slightly different, we're not willing to actually look at the problem in, in the face. We're happy to just ignore the fact that these are out there watching us every day, knowing what we're doing, knowing our routine flights, all that. John Radcliffe, the director of national intelligence in the Trump administration, gave a preview of the government's report in an interview in March. There are a lot of sightings that have been made public, he told Fox News. Some of those have been classified. And when we talk about sightings, we are talking about objects that have been seen by Navy and or Air Force pilots or have been picked up by satellite imagery that frankly engaged in actions that are difficult to explain. Now that goes on to say, movements that are hard to replicate that we don't have the technology for or traveling at speeds that exceed the sound barrier without a sonic boom, he said. Now Lou Elizondo, everybody knows Lou, a former Pentagon official who ran the program to investigate the aerial phenomenon. He told the Post that he's seen the videos of the UFOs. He also stated, quote, it was a holy blank moment. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's real. Well, crap, now we have to do something about it, he said, describing the moment he realized that they were real. Elizondo, who ran the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program from 2010 to 2017, said he had access to Pentagon data on UFOs that shocked him. But unfortunately, he's not going to come out and state what they are because he's still under a non-disclosure agreement. And that's the problem with most of the people that are now coming out, they have all signed non-disclosure agreements, relinking them of coming out with data that they know for sure is real and that they could possibly tell us, but they can't, which is a shame. Now he did say he interviewed eyewitnesses in the military who encountered the flying objects nearly every day. Um, he said the data that he looked at and showed the object traveling 60 miles in five seconds. Now, I want you to think about that. <laughs> We're talking about going zero to 60 in a car in 4.5 or 5 seconds. And he's talking about these objects, these UFOs, traveling 60 full miles in five seconds. Do the math. You'll see that is very, very fast. And I, I, I looked at the math, and the math actually works out to be 43,200 miles per hour, going 60 miles in five seconds. That is mind-blowing. Just think about that for a minute. A minute. I mean, <laughs> it's really, really mind-blowing. So I was also on a um, – oh, let me get to this first. So I really did like just about everything that Marco Rubio said. There were some things I was a little eh about. But it's nice to finally have someone in the government who represents the people of the United States and to come out and assist in the UFO disclosure process. And not only just to come out, but to publicly share his thoughts on what he thinks might be going on with these UFOs slash UAPs. I mean, if it really wasn't for Marco Rubio, we wouldn't even be getting it on a public unclassified report of this 180-day Department of Defense document. He was the one that put in for it to be unclassified and given to the public. So I'm just happy that the UFO subject um, is finally getting its time to shine, as you would say. 
and that the people of the United States finally, you know, finally know that UFOs are real and they have the confirmation and they know now that they're not crazy. And after being told they were crazy for over 76 years since Roswell, I mean, people that saw a UFO were abducted, had encounters, seen EVEs, which are extraterrestrial biological entities, um, seeing other extraterrestrials, they were all told they were crazy. You're losing your mind. You don't know what you saw. You have no idea what you're talking about. But now that they've come out and said that these UFOs are real, it gives the normal everyday person that has had a sighting or an encounter confirmation that you are not going crazy. And I'm telling you right now, you never have been. You've seen what you've seen. And I believe most people, when they come out and say they've had a sighting, they're being true. <laughs> I just know this from experience from the people that I've interviewed as, an, as a field investigator and on the side of my own research. So finally, UFOs and the people have to put everything they have into researching the subject and get the credit they deserve. I'm so happy to be a part of this community and everyone involved in the UFO field. And everybody really in this field, if you're researching, if you're boots on the ground, you should finally feel like we got a win for once. I mean, I kind of feel like we're getting a win. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to get disclosure in this document. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is, with this all coming out because of Marco Rubio, we're getting told that these things are real, and that's a win for the UFO community in my book. I, I believe that 110%. 100%. Now, uh, moving on. A little bit from that now i was on a, a zoom conference meeting the other day and i'm not going to name names of who said it or whatever but there was this man that i was told he was a ufo whistle whistleblower and he was recently going to come out and speak with marco rubio um he offered uh after offering to testify to the senate intelligence committee and marco rubio um he was supposedly killed and his name is Mark Mc, McAnglish, McAnglish, Mark Mick, M-C-C-A-N-D-L-I-S-H. Um, he wanted to speak about UFOs and zero-point energy. And, the, and Mark also wrote a book called Energy Solution Revolution. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure if this is true. And listen... Um, if any of you worldwiders can, uh, if you find any information on this, I would really love for you to send me an email at ufoencounters at gmail.com and let me know if you find anything that, that can confirm this. Um, because if this is true, this is extremely, extremely important. Um, so, I mean, to talk, come out and be a whistleblower because he used to work in the military industrial complex and to talk about zero point energy, the man must've known something. And from what I hear is that his book, the energy solution revolution had a lot of great details about zero point energy and UFOs. And for him to come on um, to the Senate intelligence committee and speak about this and to come to Marco Rubio and tell him what he knew, obviously it was important for him that if he was silenced, if that's what if that's what this means so please if any of you world can get some information on this um 
please email it to me and let me know. I really appreciate that. And I'm going to look into it as well. So if I could find out anything else about that, I will bring it up on the next episode or, or whenever I find out the information. So I just wanted to put that out there because if this really happened and this man was killed, the UFO whistleblower killed, then it's uh, deserving to make the news and to be known about it. Um, not saying it's true, not saying it's, it's not true, you know what I mean? But let's look into it. It deserves to be looked into. Um, so um, last week I had, uh, I did share my first published paper with you guys. Um, that was just published in the June MUFON journal. Um, it is in there now. Um, and that was UFOs over Pennsylvania, a hotspot. Um, and there were some three really great cases in there. Um, I enjoyed writing the paper. I enjoyed going through everything. And then at the end of the episode last week, we talked about UFOs meet the United States military. And I shared a really crazy case that I have been researching for a long time. And it was the invasion of Fort Dix. So if you didn't listen last week, go ahead on there and check it out. Um, and you get to learn about it. Um, so, like I said, I gave you a sneak peek of that. So, and I'm going to give you a sneak peek of something else, too. And I wanted to give you some more of these cases that involve UFOs in the military. Um, I find the cases that involve military and civilians at the same time, or just the military in general, um, fascinating, especially because you really rarely ever hear about them. And of course, we know why that is the cover up. Um, so it's good to bring them to the light and share them with you guys, um, especially because I believe that they're important, especially to be recorded and put into a database. Um, so the next uh, case of UFOs meeting the military was a big story, which lasted for close to two and a half weeks, dating um, from October 27th through November 11th, 1975, three years before the invasion of Fort Dix. So if you remember last week, this is three years prior to that event happening. Um, this event you may have heard of, it was called the NORAD flap. Now, this was a two and a half week flap of UFOs descending onto the United States military bases, along with multiple witnesses and tracked on military radar. So the evidence is there for this case. Um, this begins on October 27th at 8 p.m. when an unidentified object was seen with white lights that looked like strobe lights along with a reddish or orange lights flying within 300 meters of Loring Air Force Base. Loring was home to nuclear weapons stored, which alerted the security of the base and the object was uh, quickly tracked on radar as it flew over and around the base until disappearing. Um, anytime anything flies over a nuclear facility in the military bases, that's definitely something to pay attention to. And they have the evidence of this happening many times. Um, moving on, on October 29th, um, once again, radar hit an object unknown to them heading towards the nuclear weapons area. For the next night, helicopters were sent to make contact with the UFOs that were tracked on radar three times flying around the weapon area, but were unable to make contact with anything flying in that area. Now, on October 30th and the 31st at Worth Smith Air Force Base in Michigan, a formation of UFOs flew over the weapons store, and with no hesitation, an aircraft was sent to intercept. But again, nothing ever came into contact with the aircraft. 
I mean, our jets, there's no way that, that our jets can catch these UFOs. And my opinion is if they want to be seen, they're going to let you be seen. They're being seen for a reason. They want us to see them. Um, for the next couple of days, things went quiet until, again, on November 7th through the 10th at Maelstrom Air Force Base in Montana, which had ICBM silos for the state. UFOs were seen flying in that area. UFOs also visited Minot Air Force Base in North Dakota, who sent fighter jets, which seen the UFOs chasing them at 9,500 feet, all the way up to 15,500 feet. But the UFOs accelerated and rapidly disappeared, going from 3.5 miles an hour to 170 miles per hour, and they became invisible to the fighter pilots. Now, after the flap officially ended on November 11th, according to a secret NORAD memo, William H. Spalding tried explaining the entire event as a, as a special forces helicopter and a stealth aircraft training mission, which he states involved the U.S. and Canada special forces. Of course, where are we going with this? Another cover-up. So, in my opinion, and uh, some opinions of my colleagues that I that I associate with, we are unable to see how the United States military would test aircraft over nuclear weapon storages, which could possibly end in a great horror. If so, think about that. If something was to happen or one of these aircraft, I mean, they're testing aircraft over a nuclear weapon, crash into a, a weapons area. I mean, in all, there were Air Guard helicopters, Strategic Air Command helicopters, and NORAD F-106 fighters, which were all set to make contact with these UFOs, and five United States Air Force bases were involved, which is why they call it the NORAD flag. Now, think about that. That's five bases, United States military, chasing these things with three different types of um, flying vehicles, air guard helicopters, strategic air command helicopters, and of course the NORAD F-106 fighters. Not catching them, ever. And to this day, I don't think we're going to ever be able to catch them. Now, nuclear weapon sites and UFOs have been popping up in history for as long as the phenomenon has been around, yet we still don't know why the fascination is there or what the objective is when flying over our Air Force bases. Um, now, a lot of people say that they are here to help our world, of course, and the number one thing is is that they don't want us using nuclear weapons. Um, it'll destroy not just other countries, but our planet will be destroyed if we continue to use nuclear weapons. And um, I think that's what the fascination is here, and I believe when they're flying over these bases, they're actually taking, you know, um, invisible uh, sensories and photos and they're counting how many we have and they're keeping a, uh, you know, a slate of information about what we have at each base. And they're also, I mean, listen, these UFOs don't have to be seen if they don't want to. They're allowing themselves to be seen and letting the United States military know what they're doing there. And the military knows and they, they, they just don't want to come out and admit it. You know? But maybe one day this will come to the light but uh, until then, the research continues. Um, now, I've been researching UFOs for some years now, and in that in that time, the story of the cover-up has been a huge topic dealing with the United States military. Things have been said um, that the cover-up is due to national security or simply because the military says there's nothing to cover up in the first place. 
I think most of us know that the military can keep a secret. Just look at the atomic bomb as an example. Everybody knows that story. There was thousands of people working on it, and not one person leaked it. Then we have people like Richard Doty. I think most of us know him, um, who I think is the most, uh, most in the UFO field, he's very known. Richard Doty was tasked by the United States Air Force to make deals with UFO researchers for top secret information, which in turn only turned out to be disinformation. Doty was a disinformation secret agent. President Truman was the first president to clamp the lid on the secrety, secret, secrecy of the UFO issue and made it so even most of the military and government officials were left out of the hoop. Um, and Doty just... Uh, he destroyed a lot of people's lives. Um, he paid people off. He admitted this. Um, he admitted to having, you know, uh, CIA individuals in all the major news uh, facilities. So if information needed to be stopped from being put out or stories need to be covered up, they would. And um, there's a lot of great authors and researchers that I know that he fed disinformation to. And he had some of them losing their mind and going a little crazy. Um, so it's, it's, it's a shame. Um, it is. Officials in the need to know were even more moving um, from the executive branches of government into what they call special interest projects with dark groups that were deep within the military and the industry itself. As an ex-National Guardsman, I know why the military itself keeps secrets, especially when it comes to national security and protecting the people of the United States. In the end, though, I feel like the UFO cover-up is something that people deserve to know. Um, it is their right as a human being and, a, and an American citizen. Um, if there is out, uh, life outside this planet um, that has been coming to Earth and trying to communicate, wouldn't you want to know? I know I would. Um, I would love to know, which is why I became a MUFON field investigator for the scientific study of UFOs for the benefit of humanity. That is my number one goal in joining MUFON. Okay, and to be open-minded with everything that I research. Now, UFOs in the um, United States military has been happening for decades and will continue to do so, um, hopefully in a peaceful manner. Um, we have been through chases through the sky with fighter jets, the alien recoveries such as Roswell, and the entire UFO flaps over our military nuclear bases, which turn out to be UFO cover-ups, as always. Um, because of organizations such as NICAP and CSETI and even the organization I volunteer for, MUFON, we can unravel and research the UFO subject in a manner that will benefit us for years to come for the benefit of humanity. So I believe that we just need to keep up with it, man, and continue to research everything that we can for the history books. I mean... MUFON, we have a, a case management system, and it, it holds and um, files all of our cases, um, so everything has research on it. Um, no, And remember, no one's alone out there. If you've seen something, there are people you can talk to. You can even talk to me. Get in touch with me. Uh, anyone's, I'm willing to talk to anybody um, about any information they want to talk about or if they have any questions about the show or just in what I do in the field. You can always message me on email at UFO Encounters Worldwide at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at AATPEAK. 
which stands for ancient astronaut theorist peak. Um, because some of that stuff is very interesting too. And I'm sure we'll have an episode on that as well. Um, so those are some really great cases today. Um, I thought you guys would enjoy learning about some of this stuff. And also you can speak peak of my upcoming published papers. Uh, this one I hope to get published um, and be out in the MUFON journal as well as the last one. Make sure you go check that out if you do receive the MUFON journal. I am in this month, June's um, journal. Um, I believe it's page 10. And if you look at the table of contents, number 10, um, it should state UFOs over Pennsylvania, a hotspot. Um, that's the, my first published paper. Um, I've been writing for some time now, and um, I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, and hopefully we'll get the second one published and you guys can indulge in that as well. Um, so with that being said, I think that's pretty much for today's episode. So just a reminder, please guys, go check out UAP.news. Um, they're a big supporter of UFO encounters worldwide. And I want to thank all you worldwiders out there for coming and listening to the episode. Everybody from all over the world that's been listening to, I named them all at the beginning of the episode. Special thanks to everybody. Um, but please go check out UAP.news. It's a great community. You can make a profile, get a profile picture. You can, it's just like a Twitter for UFO people. So go check that out. Um, and uh, thank you everybody for listening to today's episode. This is UFO Encounters Worldwide with your host, Jesse Peak, field investigator of Pennsylvania. Thank you all, and I'll see you all next time. Remember, keep your eyes in the sky.